The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Gregory Shushan, is the author of uh, Conceptions of the Afterlife in Early Civilizations. He studied at uh, uh, the University College of London, uh, the University of Wales, and through a fellowship at Oxford. And he's with me to here today at the IONS Conference in Orlando, where he delivered a talk titled Near-Death Experience and the Origins of Afterlife Beliefs. Gregory, welcome to NDE Radio. Thanks, Lee. Um, Gregory, uh, since you haven't had a near-death experience yourself, what uh, what got you interested in in the study of NDEs? Um, I started studying NDEs. I was uh, had some knowledge of them, some interest from uh, a book my mom gave me when I was a kid. I was about eleven years old, and it was just a book of strange phenomena throughout the world. So. It had a little chapter on NDEs, but you know, raining frogs and fishes and uh, UFOs and all kinds of you know, Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> sort of uh, my popular consciousness, if you will. Um, but then when I was studying uh, Egyptian archaeology at, at University College London, I started um, noticing similarities between Egyptian descriptions of the afterlife and NDEs, and uh, that, that got me curious. I see. And and then uh, what what happened after that that led you further into this uh, study? Uh, well, I I started wondering um, one thing if there are similarities between ancient Egyptian afterlife beliefs and contemporary accounts of NDEs. Uh, would that also be the case in uh, other religions? Um, and then I started what was really intriguing to me about that is. If there were these cross-cultural similarities between religious beliefs, then that would have to indicate that there's some, you know, something like an NDE is responsible for them, some universal sort of feature rather than being being um, entirely culturally generated. Mm. So um, I I decided to compare religious uh, afterlife beliefs in five different civilizations around the world: uh, Egypt, um, Sumerian, Mesopotamia, uh, Vedic India. Pre-Buddhist China, and then uh, the two Mesoamerican uh, cultures of the Maya and Aztec. And these are probably not uh, related by virtue of people traveling from place to place and and uh, and bringing their their religious beliefs with them. Exactly, I think there's um, almost no chance of that. Um, even uh, even though Mesopotamia and Egypt are the closest in time as well as geographically. Uh, during the times I was, I was looking at the, the earliest texts in Egypt, uh, the pyramid texts, and then the earliest mythological texts um, from uh, Mesopotamia, there was really very little connection between them at these times. Um, and it's the same, you know, if you follow the uh, geographic path all the way across the continents, to um, uh, there's really very little possibility of diffusion of ideas accounting for the, the commonalities between these civilizations. Mm. And give us an example. Maybe we could start with um, the Sumerian culture. How um, 
what what is it in their uh, faith belief that that uh, reflected the notion of NDEs to you? Uh, there is uh, quite a few myths which involve um, either legendary characters or gods um, or part gods uh, traveling to another world um, and coming back. And some of their experiences seem very much like NDEs. Probably the most famous is uh, from the Epic of Gilgamesh, although I looked at even earlier text, the Sumerian version was Bilgamesh, uh, and the text about him described him uh, traveling to another world. Well, first he died. Uh, travels to the other world. There's uh, places where there's darkness. He encounters a, um, a panel of, of judges, and there's a sort of life review where he um, they review all the deeds of his life and determine what his, his fate should be. Uh, he becomes a, a partly divine, godlike sort of being. Uh, there's also a, a description of him uh, being... Um, Sort of resulted by a description of his own corpse, or, or just of uh, you know decaying bodies, which kind of recalls the idea of when NDEs are outside their body and uh, they're reluctant to return to it. So, whether uh, Gilgamesh was a real person or not is is kind of unclear. But the uh, the myth about him, as well as some of the other Mesopotamian myths, show I think uh, knowledge of NDEs. Mm. And according to the myth, what did he see when he was on the other side? Uh, it's not uh, too much specific detail as far as you know geography or things like that. But he he encounters divine beings, um, ancestors. Um, in in another text, there's uh, descriptions of uh, different levels of the afterlife for different people, depending on how many children they had, rather than uh, on their deeds. So there's um, there's a lot of uh, pretty diverse descriptions of what is actually in the afterlife. Uh, so, so that's you know one of the things that's uh, difficult to deal with in these texts, and, and which ones to to take as the Sumerian afterlife or the Mesopotamian afterlife, because I think with any society there are always uh, differing opinions and conflicts of belief. Mm-hmm. It seems to me, in my recollection of reading uh, Gilgamesh. Uh, Years and years and years ago, that he that he was in pursuit of something that would give him immortality, and then uh, at the last minute he loses it. Right, it's a plant of immortality, and uh, he goes to the realm of um, he's a sort of the Sumerian flood myth Noah character named Zeusudra, mm. um, and he lives in this paradisical realm called Dilmun, and so that's another uh, kind of. Uh, you know, very NDE-like journey to have. And these themes of an afterlife realm um, holding the, the source of immortality and rebirth, I think, is uh, very thematically similar to NDEs. Mm. That, uh, the origins of the Noah flood story come out of Gilgamesh, too, don't they? Right, yeah. That's, well, it seems that way. Oh. And, and then... Okay, so assuming that that's that was the basis of Sumerian um, belief, what what uh, did you see in say Egyptian uh, belief that, that was similar to that? Uh, Egyptian um, belief is the case for Egypt is a little more complicated because they didn't have any context for reporting um, in these mythological narratives like we have in a lot of other civilizations. So it it was. Um, 
texts like the pyramid text and coffin text, they describe what the afterlife was like, but it's embedded in a lot of uh, ritual sort of material, which is was, was recited to help the deceased, you know, navigate the all the um, different passages in the afterlife realm and all the perils they might encounter. So it's a it's more of a matter of teasing out from this um, long, vast matrix of <laughs> of uh, text, um, kind of pulling out the afterlife beliefs from that. But essentially, there's Again, it's uh, leaving the body, traveling through darkness, uh, coming and, and meeting a divine being of light, which in uh, the Egyptian case is the sun god, um, Ray. And actually also in the Mesopotamian case, there's the sun god, Utu, who uh, Gilgamesh meets. Um, and the deceased in, in Egypt then travels with the sun god uh, through the celestial world and then down through the underworld. And in the underworld, uh, he encounters the corpse of Osiris, and the text is very clear to, to make us know that, um, that, that the deceased actually is Osiris. So I think that's uh, some kind of cryptic reference to encountering the person's own corpse, because um, it's that encounter which uh, explicitly uh, leads to the person being able to proceed in the afterlife. Uh, they call it a secret, and it's uh, almost presented as this uh, ultimate bind, which then enables... Uh, the Osiris deceased uh, combination to to then ascend again into the heavenly. Mm. Obviously, very uh, specifically mythological, um, but still, I think it's so similar to NDEs that to me it seems like an NDE rewritten in a culturally mythological sort of way. Now, this the story of Osiris is uh, complicated by the fact that he comes back to life, doesn't he? Um, through the help of, um, is it Isis or Inanna? Or have I mixed that up with another story? No, that's right. She gathers all his body parts and puts a, a pattern throughout uh, the ancient world. Um, mm. used to call them the dying and rising gods. Uh, and, you know, they have them in Mesopotamia, Egypt, and Greece. And yeah, the, the whole region has them essentially. And uh, a lot of uh, folks who would like to debunk the Jesus story say that it really originated with uh, Osiris and, and this Egyptian myth, don't, don't they? They do. Yeah, yeah. There's mm -hmm. um, a lot of suggestions that um, images of uh, Isis and Horus, the nursing scenes, were also. Uh, uh, inspiration for Jesus and Mary, sort of, you know, similar kinds of scenes. And in some cases, it's actually indistinguishable when you look at the, the earliest images. Hmm. Whether that actually means that, you know, this is the same thing or not, um, you know, who knows. But it, I think the, the one of the main points about that is that it was all generally the same world. I mean, it's this Mediterranean region, and so there's no cultural none mm -hmm. of these religions just developed in a vacuum right well and um, especially right in the Middle East there were so many trade routes that went from the east to the west and from the north to the south that uh, a, a lot of stories probably would uh, would turn up especially in in the, the Jerusalem area um, yeah. 
I, I was walking down the hall with PMH Outwater just before I came up to the room here, and um, she said somebody stopped her in the hall and, and asked if Jesus had ever had a near-death experience, <laughs> <laughs> which we laughed about because uh, that whole thing is about his death and resurrection. Right, um, right. So wh- uh, what do you think this says about... Um, well, well, tell us another. Tell us about some of the other civilizations that you you've taken a look at. Um, sure. Um, in India, I was looking at the Vedic texts, which is the, the early, once again, the earliest um, of, of those uh, of that civilization. They also have descriptions that are similar to NDEs, uh, once again embedded in these uh, ritual texts. Um, they also have uh, one particular text called the Atharva Veda, and that describes. Uh, basically the, a ritual of retrieving a soul from uh, a dangerous path to the underworld of, of a sick person. So it was, I think intended for if a, a person is dying, then you can call their soul back. And that describes how they had been to the underworld and how they come back to the body. So while it's not exactly a whole description of an NDE, it shows an awareness that a soul could leave the body, travel to another realm, and then come back and enter the body and reanimate. Um, and then there's also a whole series of uh, return from death NDE type myths, um, starting with the Rig Veda and coming up all the way through the Upanishads, where uh, a young boy is described as uh, going to the other world and seeing uh, wonders and glories and also punishments, uh, and then returning back. Hmm. Do all the stories seem to have a, a punishment or, or reward? theme to them? I mean, is it, is it always a heaven and hell scenario? No. No, some of them um, just describe one realm. Um, usually it's a, it's a more positive kind of kind of realm. It's, I think one of the things that happened with see in Egypt and in India, you can, you can trace this development, is that the, the more popular and accessible uh, texts about the afterlife became the more descriptions of hells and punishments and this more um, divided afterlife experience became. I think that's because uh, they talk about the democratization of the afterlife in Egypt when it went from being solely for kings and pyramids and the elite and coffins to just, you know, you can write it on papyrus and anybody can access it. So I, I think um, as it became democratized, there was maybe a, a little more effort to use it as a tool to cure, or to at least encourage um, positive behavior through this, this promise of reward and punishment, and uh, it's the same thing in the Indian texts. Uh, with you know, texts like the Mahabharata, there's much more detailed descriptions of hells and punishments, and it's the same in China. It's almost described in you know, really uh, quite disturbing images that, that could possibly happen to you, and sometimes, especially in China. It's a specific sin is associated with a specific punishment. Mm. And how about the journey uh, to um, to the afterlife? Um, is it like the Bardo, where where you go, where a soul might go through areas of temptation or a danger, um, threat of demons, and that sort of thing? Yeah, there are definitely um, threats of of demons, and often a threat of annihilation, which they you know, sometimes you refer to it as the second death, which presumably is the one that you're not ever going to come back from. Mm. Uh, and there's uh, often a barrier or a limit that you reach. Um, 
which some of the texts describe going through it and going through a series of gates uh, in Egypt as a, a pretty prominent theme. Uh, and some of them just, just you know, describe that um, that's the limit that, that you come back from, which is, again, obviously very familiar in the East. Mm. So the way NDEs normally work is a person is at some point told before they get too deeply involved in, in wherever they've, they wind up, uh, that they're, it's not their time and they have to come back. So how do the descriptions of where we go after we die get completed? In other words, for instance, in Plato's story about Ur, he is given special permission to stay according to the, the Plato myth, until they, he sees that souls do get reincarnated at the end and mm-hmm. uh, and wind up coming back to Earth. Um, w- are there any kinds of parallel stories to the Plato story about how a soul is given a, a, a um, the gift of seeing the whole process? Mm. Yeah, I think um, some of the, the Indian ones do these... Uh, Although it's not really described the, um, why this, the young boy returns, I think it's just taken for granted at the beginning that it's a visit and he's going to come back. But he's shown, um, you know, he's given all kinds of knowledge and information about um, what the afterlife is like. But as far as um, more documentary NDEs that are more clearly based on the historical event, that really just has to wait for uh, ancient China. And I think the earliest one there is about 700 BCE. They, and I think there's about 120 of them going um, over about 1,400 years up to the 10th century. So it's um, by no means a rare occurrence. So they they uh, were careful to document them. Mm. Um, there's one example where uh, a man goes to visit the emperor of heaven, as he calls him, and he's uh, you know again shown various things about the afterlife. And then he's told it's uh, not his time to die, and it's time for her for him to return. Um, but in some cases, especially in the later ones um, in China, and a few I've read from India and Japan, which are more uh, much more recent, uh, it's often a case of uh, mistaken identity, where the, the soul has to return. They got oh, they got the wrong one. Yeah, they got the wrong wedding. <laughs> 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 wow. Um... And how many of the of these early religions um, do believe in uh, reincarnation? Um, it's it's difficult with uh, India. The the earliest Vedic texts there's there's some hints of reincarnation. Um, it kind of become comes gradually more evident in the texts with the Upanishads, but. Um, so, and that's the extent of, of the, the periods I looked at. So, it's not too clear there. Um, I think, in fact, uh, even in China before Buddhism, it's, um, you know, there are hints of it, but it's not really part of the doctrine. So, in, in the stuff, the material I looked at in all these civilizations, reincarnation didn't really play that much of a role. Um, and because it doesn't really deal with, uh, you know, NVE type phenomena. I didn't. I didn't look at it in too much detail. Mm. And uh, is there um, talk about love and light? Are those uh, big themes in in these stories? 
Um, light, definitely. Um, I think uh, a lot of the civilizations conceived of the deity that, that assists them in the other world as a being of light. Obviously, the, the sun god is, um, you know, the uh, pretty radiant being of light. Um, there are a lot of references to uh, deceased becoming stars. So if you were to meet your uh, deceased relative in the other world, they would also be these beings of light, uh, which, you know, on, on Earth would be conceived of as stars. Um, in general, I think deities were considered to be radiating light in a lot of these civilizations. And then the other world is often characterized as being a place of bright light, even when it's in um, in an underworld. Underworlds mm-hmm. are not always seen as uh, negative, dark places. Um, as far as love, that's a little more, uh, a little trickier to, to tease out. Um, there are references to joy and abundance and uh, pleasant things in the afterlife, uh, meeting, you know, obviously meeting deceased relatives would be a happy reunion. But as far as the actual concept of love, that might be a, you know, there might be linguistic problems there, translation problems, but it's um, specifically not um, referred to that often in the text. Mm. Now, in the in the sort of the uh, light reading that I did about... Uh, the Hebrew and uh, Greek underworlds, it always seemed like kind of a dismal, dark, dismal place that it, there wasn't much promise of light and love. Um, mm. Is that uh, is that true, or, or was this just uh, uh, a superficial reading? Uh, with Greece, I think it's... Um, well, I wouldn't say it's a superficial reading, but it's an incomplete reading. Uh, if you look at uh, Orphic texts, they uh, describe a very, you know, happy, pleasurable sort of afterlife, and it's the same with Mesopotamia. It was, it's been really, um, it's been the service has been done to the Mesopotamia. Because the, the study of Mesopotamian myths really grew out of um, Old Testament studies, and there are all these parallels with Sheol, the, the um, Hebrew afterlife. So most summaries you see of Mesopotamia and the afterlife painted as this gloomy almost half-existence where people wander around in darkness. Um, and that's just not always really the case, but, you know, considering how they're actually described in the text, but they, which is, you know, feasting in abundance um, or, you know, possibly some horrific. <laughs> mm. So it's, uh, I would say probably in most societies um, there would be alter- alternate views of afterlife, but... Um, I, I don't know of, of any that would just be entirely gloomy and, and grim. Um, I, I would say probably um, in Judaism, it's, it's the least explicit having a, a happier afterlife, probably until you get to uh, Kabbalah texts. Mm. Which is, uh, would that provide a more mystical, uh, or rather a, a happier mystical experience uh, through, yeah. through the Kabbalah? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do, they do have more references, and in, in fact, a few, um, you know, very NDE-like descriptions of mystical experiences. And uh, there are there, there are uh, theories that um, Mohammed had a um, an NDE or uh, at least an out-of-body experience uh, mm-hmm. during his lifetime, and yet uh, it seems like uh, Muslim belief or Islamic belief is that um, you're judged purely by your behavior. Um, mm-hmm. 
your your soul weighed against a feather, or your heart maybe weighed against a feather. Um, what what uh, have you looked at the at that at all? I haven't. No. Um, in fact, uh, the whole Judeo-Christian lineage is kind of too. It's too late for me <laughs> because <laughs> because of the fact that I was really trying to focus on uh, the earliest stage of each uh, religion in each part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought there'd be it's too easy to, you know, find roots of uh, Christianity and Judaism and, and Islam in uh, previous religions. Um, well, the same with uh, even Buddhism. So. Do, do you see um, those religions drawing from these earlier sources? I mean, did Samaria influence uh, Israel, for instance? Oh, I think it, it absolutely did. Um, I mean. These, a lot of these early biblical characters actually were, um, you know, ancient Mesopotamian people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so they obviously had knowledge of, um, uh, you know, of Mesopotamian religions, um, Assyrian and Akkadian and, and Sumerian. So, um, it definitely came out of that context for sure. I mean, I think that's a, you know, a kind of historical placement of, of those texts. It's, uh, it's so interesting <laughs> to, to think that uh, these these um, uh, religions all originated with um, a near-death experience and other personal mystical experiences, and yet how else would you explain how God communicates with, with man and woman mm-hmm. except through something that happens that's out of the ordinary? And so it only makes sense that, you know, even the the Bible, which uh, you know everyone says came from God. Well, how did God deliver the message if not through something like an NDE? Saint Paul, for instance, had a an NDE that he admits to, describes to some extent in in the in his own writings. And um, but to think that all religions had to come from somewhere, and and NDEs are such a logical explanation for for that. Uh, where are you going to go next with your research? Uh, I've, I've finished a project, um, which, uh, I'm hoping will be published before too long. And that's a similar kind of thing, but it's looking at, uh, near-death experiences in relation to shamanism and afterlife beliefs in indigenous religions, um, so small-scale societies in Africa and the Pacific and North America. Um, that's a little different because we, by uh, missionaries, anthropologists, and explorers. So it's more explicit um, examples of most of the early civilizations. And, and we even have statements uh, where, where people, um, we based our afterlife beliefs on these experiences. So, so that's enabled me to um, explore the, the whole relationship between culture and NDEs and religion on a, on a whole new level. Wow. Interesting stuff. Um, Gregory, um, tell the folks about your website and um, how they can get a copy of um, your book, Conceptions of the Afterlife and Early Civilizations. The book is available uh, through or any other uh, online bookseller. Um, I have a webpage on academia.edu, which is www.lamp.academia.edu forward stroke Gregory Sushan. 
Um, you can also uh, see a lecture I gave at Oxford um, on YouTube just by Googling my name there. Oh, excellent. And what was that lecture on? That was basically a summary of um, the, the two projects I've done and a little bit more on the kind of academic theory and method, methodology that I use behind it. Oh, terrific. And they can also, since you were live-streamed um, from the IONS site today, uh, yesterday, uh, it should be possible to, to get a copy of that later on, somewhere down the line. Oh, well, right. Gregory, yeah. I'm afraid we're, we're out of time right now. So um, thank you so much for um, uh, being a part of NDE Radio. And uh, if anyone would like to listen to the show again or any other of our uh, uh, shows on NDE Radio, just go to our website, nderadio.org, and uh, look, uh, push the past shows button. You'll see a, a, a write-up and uh, of, of each show we've got there. And if you'd like to know more about IANS, get, go to their website, iands.org, uh, and uh, check that out. Thanks for joining us today. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.